Truth Espresso, episode 92. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso, to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> and now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. <sighs> this is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hello friends, this is your host Daniel Minnick and it's time for another exciting episode of Truth Espresso, where we get a robust shot of truth. And this episode we are going to conclude a three-part series talking about the Equality Act. Now, in this episode, as we're looking at the Equality Act, we're going to look specifically at the provisions of the Equality Act that address medical providers, and particularly how the Equality Act deals with the issue of abortion. And so we're going to see that the Equality Act, in particular, in the minds of many people of which I've seen articles written talking about the Equality Act, it makes the way for an explosion of abortion, basically legalizing abortion in all cases, and not only that, but also forces it to be taxpayer-funded. So, in other words, it's a pro-abortionist dream come true, and yet the act itself doesn't really mention the word abortion really much, but the language is kind of like a sly way of using words that are understood in previous laws to be pertaining to abortion, and really it's the chilling effects of this act that would effectively make this happen. And so back with me on True Espresso as a guest is my wife, Chelsea. And so Chelsea, welcome back again to Truth Espresso. Thanks for having me. So Chelsea, as a uh, woman's health care provider, do you welcome uh, the Equality Act telling you about how you as a health care provider should not discriminate when it comes to issues of pregnancy or other uh, related medical procedures? I mean, how do you feel about this and the Equality Act and would it really inhibit your uh, best judgment for uh, providing women's health care? Yes, I think as a health care provider, this act is definitely going to affect my ability and other providers' abilities to appropriately care for women, men, children, because the language in this, like you said, is ambiguous. So that opens the door for a lot of interpretation that increases liability for us as healthcare providers. If we're not offering care for people who request such as an abortion, birth control pills, sex changes, things like that, we refuse to offer that service, we can be held liable. And I know there's some articles out there or proponents of this bill that say that is not accurate. But when you look deep into the language in this and the previous bills, 
this bill will actually trump the previous ones because they are actually adding or changing the wordage of the previous acts that have been set up to protect religious conscientious discrimination. And as a healthcare provider, we constantly have to discriminate between what needs to be treated now, what needs to be treated later, what information we need. There's a lot that goes into being able to fully treat someone. And just like we have in the Hippocratic Oath as medical providers, we are trying to uphold that do no harm to our patients. And this totally discredits any healthcare provider who is trying to uphold that. There is a lot of harmful consequences from these different procedures they're trying to say we have to do now. There's harmful consequences for abortion. There's harmful consequences with birth control methods. There's harmful consequences for undergoing the sex changes. And as a healthcare provider, I don't want to harm my patient. So I'm going to tell them what the harmful consequences are. And that's because I care about them. I'm not discriminating against them as a person. I'm discriminating against something that they're looking at doing that could harm them. And to me, that's showing like healthcare providers want the best for their patient. And this act is totally disregarding that we care for our patients. Yes, some good thoughts there, babe. As a medical provider, it's it's strange that the idea that, you know, you, with your medical knowledge, can recognize something that you believe is best for a patient, but you're handcuffed from that because of a particular act with political motivations that defines the idea of discrimination and doesn't allow discrimination based on perceived gender and mannerisms and stuff. Okay, you know the science, you know what is right or wrong, or as you said, you know what's harmful, and yet, oh, because, say, you know, a seven-year-old might be brainwashed to be confused about gender identity, and so then the government could come along and say, you must provide this seven-year-old with hormone-changing treatment or a an operation that could have effects i mean you just think about it any surgery can have unintended consequences or you know side effects or something like that and so a seven-year-old who can be perfectly healthy but somehow because allegedly in that young mind who doesn't understand things enough we're supposed to treat them as if oh because that's part of their identity what's in their mind therefore you're discriminating if you don't go ahead and alter their body to something that what if they regretted later because they didn't understand it and now you know any kind of operation could have side effects too that weren't expected so this is definitely politics trumping medical knowledge and science <laughs> so we want to get into uh, abortion in particular and starting with this first point um, about the Equality Act that after reading it and studying it, number one, it's an ambiguous backdoor for abortion on demand forcefully funded by government. 
And Chelsea, as you mentioned, you know, there's some uh, existing laws that the Equality Act would change, particularly the Pregnancy Discrimination Act of 1978. This particular act prevents discrimination, quote, because of or on the basis of pregnancy, childbirth, or related medical conditions, and women affected by pregnancy, childbirth, or related medical conditions shall be treated the same for all employment-related purposes, unquote. Now, just that portion there, that kind of almost sounds like the Equality Act, but um, what actually that particular act, the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, explicitly denies or explicitly mentions that no one would be required to provide or cover abortion services. And so, actually, at this time, pro-life groups lobbied to have this act passed, even though it's it intended to be neutral in its language concerning abortion. And so, actually, almost like both left-wing and right-wing people people supported this particular act because the left-wing people didn't want a woman uh, denied employment if she had an abortion. But on the other hand, the right-wing people wanted this act because they saw that there is a lot of pressure to uh, forbid women employment if they were pregnant, and so they saw this act as a way to prevent discrimination based on pregnancy that would help women not feel the pressure to get an abortion, to get a job, but that, that it would encourage them that they have the ability to carry the child for, to term, and so this act would then end up saving the lives of babies. So as much as the act tries to be neutral toward abortion as a factor of employment, many pro-life groups lobbied to support it. So from the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, quote, this subsection shall not require an employer to pay for health insurance benefits for abortion, except where the life of the mother would be endangered if the fetus were carried to term, or except where medical complications have arisen from an abortion, provided that nothing herein shall preclude an, abor- an employer from providing abortion benefits or otherwise affect bargaining agreements in regard to abortion. Unquote. So, yeah, there are things in here we as 100% pro-lifers would definitely disagree with, but the act said that nothing in it would encourage abortion or require anyone, any employer to cover it. And so, in effect, the act did um, have an effect of helping women realize that they don't have to get an abortion if they're pregnant for employment. But yet the Equality Act would reverse this quality because in Section 2, Findings and Purpose, Subsection A, Paragraph 1, under Findings, it recognizes discrimination as occurring with pregnancy, childbirth, or related medical condition, unquote. Uh, which in the language of the Pregnancy Discrimination Act of 1978 includes abortion. The Equality Act adds a section 1101 definitions and rules and subsection B of that, this is adding to the Civil Rights Act of 1964. This rule section says, quote, Pregnancy, childbirth, or related medical conditions shall not receive less favorable treatment than other physical conditions, unquote. 
referring to any of the services that it lists above. So I know this is uh, this is a lot of information, but in effect, it's saying that uh, no employer or any service provider should discriminate based on whether someone is pregnant or had an abortion or of the services they provide, because it mentions medical providers. The medical providers can't discriminate based on any factor of what medical service they provide, which would in effect include abortion. So really, it's like if you're a medical provider, you have to provide abortion. (laughs) Now, the Equality Act in Section 3, Public Accommodations, Subpoint A, Paragraph 4, applies the whole definition of discrimination to a comprehensive list of anything commercial, including any, quote, establishment that provides health care, unquote. So, by inference, as I said, the Equality Act could be a sword that would require all health care providers to offer abortions to avoid discrimination and all health insurance providers to fund abortions to avoid discrimination. And so I would say, as any unconstitutional government program that currently exists that robs people of money to pay for health care or other activities, there would be no standing basis that they should not be updated to fund abortions to comply with the Equality Act. So, as a health care provider... You better provide abortion so you don't discriminate. As a health insurance provider, you better pay for abortions as part of your comprehensive coverage so that you don't discriminate. And then, in effect, any government program that subsidizes health care then, by implication, would need to include abortions as part of their health care funding so that those programs don't discriminate. So, basically, it's like it demands that the government not violate the the Equality Act that they pass by waltzing in and adding abortion to all their funding programs so that they don't violate the Equality Act. And there you go. Abortion on demand provided by any insurance provider and funded by any government program that offers health care. <laughs> So it's definitely a sweeping act without basically explicitly saying so. It seems like they're being ambiguous definitely on purpose because Mm -hmm. then it kind of, I think it makes it more passable. People aren't going to see the word abortion in this bill. They'll be like, oh, okay, this sounds really good. Let's pass it. But if you really look at it, like you said, there's a lot of room for interpretation and this is not going to be good for people that are actually standing up for women's rights. And I don't know, it seems like people are just going to run with this because it is very ambiguous. Yes, definitely. It's one of those cases where it's like the devil's in the details, Um, you know, and I think what tyrant doesn't like this kind of bill that sounds good, but can be turned into a weapon. And, you know, obviously, 
I think the best thing for laws is if they're simple and to the point and very explicit so you can't accidentally run afoul of this. And, you know, any kind of bill that has to deal with so-called discrimination like this, and as much as it tries to specify and list things out, there's so much more to this act that is by way of implication rather than being explicit. And so that's the power of this act. As we'll talk about later, it's, you know, it's one of those things that it's good for certain groups of people, you know, that have a certain kind of profession that live in the legal universe. (laughs) It was interesting, too. I was looking at a fact sheet from Heritage Foundation. They have some really interesting facts about the Equality Act's We can put this information on your notes there, too. But it was pointing out that Planned Parenthood and NARAL, they actually really like the ambiguous terms here because they are able to use it as kind of a foundation to point the Biden administration in how to interpret that section and that they want him to use this as a way of opening up more doors for abortion and taxpayers' money going to fund abortion and stuff. So it's interesting that, okay, Planned Parenthood and NARAL, they see this opening and they're already using it to their advantage. Yes, very interesting. So that's um, abortion on demand without explicitly saying so. (laughs) And that's the Equality Act, friends. So I do want to get into another point that, I mean, it's kind of related to this. And yes, as we keep mentioning with the Equality Act, who are the real victims of this? Women. You know, as much as it tries to claim that you're not to discriminate, in effect, the Equality Act ends up causing people to discriminate against women. In the last episode, we mentioned um, how women and children could be harmed by predators uh, posing as transgender women, all to protect gender identity. The, the second point I'd like to mention is how the Equality Act would make women much more expensive and much less desirable to employ, and that can have a chilling effect, especially with all the politics around uh, the gender pay gap and things like that. So I was looking at an article by a certain Erica Bacciocci. Uh, entitled The Equality Act's Implications for Abortion Would Be Devastating for Pregnant Women in the Workplace. And this is by uh, americamagazine.org. This is from February 25th, 2021. And she, uh, in, in analyzing the Equality Act, says, quote, But requiring abortion to be funded by states and covered by insurers as health care would only further incentivize employers to prefer abortion for their pregnant employees over far more costly accommodations for parenting. Oh, she was referring to the Pregnancy Discrimination Act and how that relates now to the uh, Equality Act. And I agree, but I think the law of supply and demand, too, would apply to this because then if you're preferring abortion over what would be more costly accommodations of parenting, 
Um, if you're encouraging more abortions, you know how supply and demand works. If you increase demand for something without appropriately increasing the supply, you're going to end up increasing the cost of abortion too. Not even talking about the horrors of how morally wrong abortion is. Just thinking about this. Um, by opening the floodgates of incentives and threats to force abortion subsidies, it would increase the demand for abortions as well as uh, requiring coverage for it. And we know that when you make the government subsidize things, you're going to make the cost go up. And since we can't discriminate based on gender or to provide or cover abortion, the increased demand for abortion would increase the cost of health care in general, since abortion would have to be included in health care, as we uh, saw in the last point. And a single biological male would not be allowed to get cheaper health insurance than a biological female intent on getting multiple abortions and having them subsidized by the employer or the insurance marketplace. So you think the Affordable Care Act spiked the cost of health insurance? The Equality Act would only exacerbate it, all because of this ambiguous sword of Damocles called discrimination that would be an ever-looming threat waiting to pounce on any and all potential accusations of discrimination. So I can't imagine how many healthcare insurance providers will eventually go out of business either being unable to keep up with the high cost of covering the demand for abortions or how many will just simply close shop because of the fear of, of facing discrimination lawsuits that it wouldn't be worth the cost. So the Equality Act certainly would be a make-work program for lawyers. <laughs> But all in all, ultimately, women are recognized and targeted as the ones who, you know, need abortions. Remember all the, the politics about discriminating against women or their freedom, you know, their sexual freedom, like where men have the sexual freedom, uh, women's sexual freedom comes by abortion. And so when you have this type of thing from the Equality Act... It would mean that women need abortions and employers can't discriminate there. So that would make a lot of employers think twice before hiring women because it costs more to hire a woman under the ambiguous uh, language of the Equality Act. And I think, too, I mean, how you're mentioning about the increased costs of abortions when there's that increased demand for them. So with the increased costs of abortions because of the increased demand, if you think about, we're going to also see an increase in the different effects from abortion. You're going to see the cost of health disparities go up with the increase of cancers related with abortion procedures. And they had an incomplete abortion, then the ER visits and depression after having an abortion. All those are huge health disparities and a burden on the United States healthcare system already. And now we're saying, okay, we need to increase access to abortion. And then resulting, we're going to see more consequences from that and increase burden on the healthcare system and the cost of it as well. 
Yeah, and just think about like, you know, you increase the demand for abortions, dealing with discrimination. Like how many people are then going to be denied or have to wait in line for, you know, much needed medical procedures if medical providers in general are required to offer abortions in order not to discriminate? You know, basically it's like, sorry, I can't help you with this issue because, you know, I have all these abortion procedures that I need to do. I mean... I know my the wheels in my mind might be spinning a little bit from all this, but that's just the economic mind thinking about this. You know, it's like opening Pandora's box, you know, because the Equality Act is very ambiguous. <laughs> I also find it interesting, too, how they think that this will open up the opportunity for more abortions as if there's so many women out here that desperately need an abortion and somehow they're not able to get it. Like abortion is legal. There are a lot of states that have no restrictions on abortion and a lot of providers are not wanting to be trained in providing this because they're seeing the health consequences of it and just the um, burden it puts on them as providers. So I just am not really sure that we are going to see that increase in abortion procedures because of this, like NARAL and Planned Parenthood are kind of hoping for. Yeah, you just think about it. It's like, okay, if someone has, if there's a medical provider, you know, faith-based, if to, to use the political term there, um, if they're not going to provide abortions because they have strong Christian convictions, how is this going to make them perform abortions or refer abortions if their conscience forbids them? You know, many of them would rather fight and get arrested and go to jail if necessary. But what's that going to do to medical services? It's not going to make more medical services available. It'll make less medical services available. So basically, those who already provide abortions are not going to have issues with the Equality Act. But then uh, finding other valid medical services from providers who don't provide abortion, that will end up becoming less available. Um, so that's that's kind of um, the next point I'm getting to here with the Equality Act is that number three, it will stifle activity with fear, uncertainty, and doubt. <laughs> I was looking at an article by a Ryan Anderson for the New York Post entitled Biden's Equality Act is a danger to women's and conscience rights, unquote from February 21st, 2021, and what Ryan has to say is, quote, and no one knows what is required under the act to avoid committing discrimination in the case of non-binary gender identities, and he has non-binary in quotes. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with Ryan. No one knows what is required under the act, and I think that, as you mentioned, babe, that's probably on purpose, <laughs> that this act is intentionally vague so that the certainty of it is unclear so there's so much fear in what can I do that I can avoid uh, running afoul of this act? It seems like obviously acts like this, a lot of laws are written by lawyers, but this is a lawyer's dream come true because it's like a, a subsidy for lawyers, you know, this, this type of ambiguous act that it will employ a lot of 
lawyers to hear cases of discrimination. And I'm sure there are plenty of people like Ryan and we who could say no one knows what is required under the act to avoid committing discrimination. So maybe you can help me understand this a little better, because to me, this act seems like it is discrimination in and of itself, because it's almost giving people an ultimatum. You either go with this act and say you need to abide by it, otherwise you're discriminating, but we're not going to give you enough information to know how to abide by it. And if you don't abide by it, then you hate the people that you're discriminating against. Isn't that a form of bullying? What they are saying is happening to the people they're trying to defend in the act. So now they're bullying the American people saying you have to abide by this, but we're not going to tell you what exactly to abide by, but there's consequences for it. I don't know. It just seems like it's discrimination in and of itself and a form of bullying, which they accuse conservatives of. Yes, exactly. It's discriminating in the name of anti-discrimination. Obviously, when it comes to the technical term discrimination, we have to say, we have to understand that there is simply no way to avoid discrimination. You cannot outlaw or get rid of all forms of discrimination. No matter what you do, you're always discriminating. And especially if you're going to have an act that is this vague, it's it's just rife with problems of discrimination and it allows people to discriminate on the basis of this act against people and accuse them of discrimination it's really uh, projection if you will um, and the fear uncertainty of doubt that this act will definitely cause the chaos that will ensue <laughs> The constant court cases that are going to happen as a result of this act, the oppression and the empowerment of some people, it's going to give certain people the power to oppress others because if they want something, you know, it'll give some people the power to loot. So isn't that the definition of bullying? Someone in power oppressing someone who may not be able to defend themselves. Yeah, exactly. I just think of... Because it even, you know, the act mentions real estate, the act mentions, you know, just just picture someone trying to sell a house and naturally in a free market, you're going to have a buyer and a seller meeting in the middle. Like they, if they mutually agree on a price, the seller has the right to try to sell at the highest price possible and, and the buyers have the right to try to buy at the lowest price possible. And however, if the seller wants to find someone uh, who's willing to pay a higher price and, and you know and bid higher but just think okay someone's trying to sell the house and they really need a certain amount of money to buy another house or they're trying to move or something like that you put your house on the market and then let's say that the first person who wants to buy the house is some self-identified transgender person and that transgender person you know who gets advice to say hey offer this low uh, buying price and the transgender person you know offers a lower price now 
under the Equality Act, you know, the seller might think, oh, that price is too low. I want to look for um, a better offer. And so another buyer comes along who happens to not be transgender and offers a more reasonable price. Well, if the seller chooses to sell the house for the higher offer, the transgender person could claim discrimination. (laughs) And so it's like, hey, if someone's transgender identifies as the opposite gender, then they have the sword of the Equality Act basically to get away with unnatural market activity and oppress people because, you know, they can just claim discrimination and, and you can run afoul of the law for things, you know, that are not supposed to happen in a free market you know it allows uh, the fear uncertainty and doubt for some people to loot and oppress others under the guise that they're being looted and oppressed yeah and also it's just interesting that the pro-equality act side they tend to be very negative in their language when they're talking about the different sides of this For example, I was reading an article by the United Nations Human Rights, which is kind of a scary article to read, but they're saying that if you deny access to healthcare services such as abortion, then you're actually considered to be committing gender-based violence, torture, and or cruel, inhumane, and degrading treatment. So if we say that we're not going to provide an abortion service, we're not going to kill that baby inside of you, somehow we're committing violence because we're not providing abortion service. Wow. Yes. (laughs) And you leave it to left-wing politics constantly to redefine terms as the opposite of what they literally mean and to project. And if you know what projection means, babe, that it's like something that someone is guilty of themselves, they accuse others of that very thing. You know, it's it's a habit of some people who have this, have a problem with something, they're guilty of a particular sin or a mental way of thinking, and they, they constantly just accuse other people of that very thing because they themselves are guilty of it and that's that's just the way they think that's projection it seems like the equality act is just rife with projection is going to subsidize projection <laughs> all under the guise of anti-discrimination so doesn't that line of reasoning kind of remind you of that verse in luke 17 1 through 2 It says, Woe unto him through whom they came. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged around his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. So that quote I was saying from the United Nations saying that we are considered to be violent because we're not offering abortion services And yet the abortion provider is doing a service by killing and ripping apart these innocent babies. Mm -hmm. That is totally contradictory to what this Bible verse is saying. This Bible verse is saying it's better for a person to have a millstone wrapped around their neck and be thrown into the ocean if they cause harm to these little ones. And so it's just a good reminder for us as Christians that we need to be a voice and stand up for the babies, the innocent, even the children and these women. 
Exactly, sweetheart. Woe unto those who call evil good and good evil, as the Bible says. And so that's how we're going to get to our last point, which is point number four. How should Christians who regard truth deal with the Equality Act? And one of the things that the Equality Act specifically mentions, you know, here's one of the places where the Equality Act is clear. It says, you know, the Equality Act clearly attacks religious freedom and the right to conscience. So it adds a section 1107 claims to the Civil Rights Act. And it says, quote, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993 shall not provide a claim concerning or a defense to a claim under a covered title or provide a basis for challenging the application or enforcement of a covered title, unquote. In other words, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act that, in fact, Bill Clinton signed into law cannot really be used for anything as long as someone can claim that any action or inaction is a discrimination based on any of the broad-sweeping provisions and ambiguities of the Equality Act. So, basically, concerning the Religious Freedom Restoration Act that provides exemptions for religious uh, institutions and conscience about uh, some of these leftist policy mandates, concerning the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, we are basically supposed to say, forget about it. So this whole Equality Act begs the question, why were there normally religious exemptions from laws in the first place? <laughs> you know, of course, abortion is murder. It shouldn't be a matter of one conscience over another or one provider over another in the first place. If abortion is simply a valid choice or a matter of conscience, then it's really a non-issue. But that's a whole question that is begged in regard to this type of thing here. Requiring something and allowing religious exemption, while that has, in some ways, its merits, uh, the whole the Equality Act kind of really shows how that's kind of inconsistent. Because if, if there's a religious exemption, why was there a religious exemption? What's the whole point? Why would there be a concern with this type of thing? You know, because the Equality Act doesn't address the question, what is the unborn? It just makes an assumption. And it wants to provide for abortions based on the guise of not discriminating in providing services. So why did we recognize the idea of religious exemptions anyway, whether that's, you know, meritorious or not? It was because many religious organizations believe abortion is morally wrong. Well, why would they believe that, and why would that be honored in the first place? If there is a reason, shouldn't that reason be examined? If, as many religious organizations argue, that abortion is morally wrong because it takes the lives of human beings, shouldn't that be considered rather than dismissed, uh, just waved away with the stroke of a wand? If we could just dismiss this claim as a matter of discrimination, then I would challenge the proponents of the Equality Act, show from the science that abortion is a matter of health care and not the taking of a human life. Don't hide under the cloak of ambiguity. Prove it. Stop dismissing legitimate claims. Stop avoiding the real debates. 
those of you who hold public office and support this Equality Act, I challenge you to lay aside your politics and address things head on as they actually are. And get out of your ivory tower of thought experiments, social sciences, and philosophies and embrace the real world. Be willing to get out of your bubbles of special interests and see the cold, hard reality. And I say that God will hold you accountable for blatant disregard of life according to his law. I was looking at another Bible verse here too, babe, in James 1, 27. It says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So as Christians, it's our job to care for the fatherless, care for the widows, provide that safe place for them and to care for them. And this Holy Quality Act is doing the exact opposite of what God tells us to do. Exactly. Provide for the widows and orphans? No, let's let men pose as women and you know wreak havoc on the widows and orphans. That's what you support if you support the Equality Act. I have some Bible verses, too, that address the Equality Act. It seems as if the Equality Act is in this particular passage of Scripture here. Psalm 94 and verses 20 through 23 says, Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee which frameth mischief by a law? And what could we say about a law that is very ambiguous that wouldn't be framing mischief by a law? They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. But the Lord is my defense, and my God is the rock of my refuge, and he shall bring upon them their own iniquity, and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. Yea, the Lord our God shall cut them off." As we as Christians, we recognize that ultimately we are on the winning side if we are on the side of God and his law. Isaiah 10.1 says, Woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees and that right grievousness which they have prescribed. And Ezekiel 13.22 says, Because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and strengthened the hands of the wicked, that he should not return from his wicked way by promising him life. And that is exactly what this Equality Act does. It will strengthen the hand of the wicked. It will strengthen the predators. It will strengthen those who are rebelling against God and to oppress the righteous and make the heart of the righteous sad with lies. So I encourage Christians, do not be fooled by this. The Equality Act is anything but... It is a direct attack on truth, and due to its ambiguity, that is exactly what it is by definition. It subsidizes evil and punishes good. No Christian who understands the Word of God and believes that the Word of God is truth can ever support this monstrous piece of writing. And we should reuse whatever tools at our disposal to fight this Equality Act. 
Make sure that your friends and family know what this thing is. Make sure that they understand what kinds of consequences would happen that are not written into this law, but will surely come about because of the ambiguity of it and the intentions of it. Let's consider even the tool of the Constitution. To the Equality Act, whatever happened to the Bill of Rights and the First Amendment? It says, Congress shall write no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So how in the world is there any constitutional justification for a bill in which it is impossible for a Christian whose faith is based on the word of God that says God made the male and female? How can such a Christian be able to practice their faith clearly if the act handcuffs them from recognizing that simple truth? If we cannot exercise that faith in any kind of public or private venue without running afoul of this Equality Act and its ambiguous details, how can we consider this piece of politically driven drivel constitutional? I hope some of the executives of the states can recognize this nonsense and say, no, this law violates the explicit provisions of the Constitution itself. We have no basis for enforcing this here. We nullify it. It has no constitutional weight and is hereby null and void in our state. Christians, contact your state legislatures and make sure that they recognize that this Equality Act is devastating. It's not constitutional. It violates the Word of God. Use the tools that we have at our disposal. This is no laughing matter. It's no joke. And so that concludes our discussion of the Equality Act. I hope that this information has been very helpful to you, and I hope that it drives you to the truth and drives you to the Word of God. And so I say, stick with the truth, and God bless. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another for his name's sake. What's up, everybody? I'm Jamal Bandy, the host of the Prescribed Truth Podcast, where I seek to distribute the truth that the doctor prescribes to the church and the world today. The Lord graciously brought me out of a cult in 2010, saved me in 2013, and in 2017, Prescribed Truth began. My mission has been to spread the truth of God's word while refuting dangerous lies affecting most churches and the culture at large from a biblical and reformed perspective. Join me on Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for the live recording of the podcast on YouTube and download the audio version wherever podcasts can be found, including the Christian podcast community. If you would like to know more about Prescribed Truth, please visit my website at prescribedtruth.com. And remember, this world is full of errors, but the only thing that the doctor prescribes is truth. Blessings. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. 
If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.